a family of believers. We can't allow our family members to enjoy their favorite types of music or styles of worship while we together are unified under the common truth. It can all come together in a harmony when we realize that we're actually singing the same song. This is Devoted in the Daily with Christine James, where we're breaking chains with Holy Spirit in our veins, making scripture relevant in the messy everyday. This is how we play, slay, and pray while walking in the way. Unity is immunity. (laughs) Okay, stick with me here. Stick with me. I've got some things to say here about unity and immunity. Okay, first, uh, let's define unity. It means the state of being united or joined as a whole. And we're going to talk a little bit more about how God has asked us in the church to live in a state of unity. Let's now define immunity. Immunity. There's two definitions of immunity that I want to kind of cover here. Um Immunity refers to a legal protection that exempts a person from liability, punishment, or legal action that would otherwise apply. Immunity can be granted in various contexts, including criminal and civil cases, administrative proceedings, and legislative inquiries. Okay, guys, have we ever heard, have you ever heard of the analogy of Christ giving us immunity in the courtroom of God. It's kind of a big deal. I don't want to sit there too long. I want to go to the next definition of immunity. Uh, Immunity is also the ability of the body to defend itself against disease-causing organisms. I'm going to say that again. Immunity is the ability of the body to defend itself against disease-causing organisms. Now, we build up our body's immunity by making sure that our diet is full of rich nutrients to supply it with what it needs to function well, right? We we supplement when we know that it's a bit deficient in, the, in certain areas. We build it up with movement and exercise and sleep, all these things we do to strengthen our body. I could go on and on about this and I actually have before. (laughs) You can find the Immunity Resource mini course in the Training Truth web app. But when we start doing things like expose ourselves to too much stress emotionally, physically, when we eat things that have toxins in it, our our body is so busy fighting off the toxins and dealing with extra stress hormones that when we are exposed to a virus, our body just doesn't have the strength to ward off an infection and it takes us down. When our immunity is weakened, a virus will take us down. So I want to add a spiritual aspect to this. You know, we talked a few weeks ago how in our uh, in the the episode on curses that we can give access to the enemy our, we can give access to satan when we open ourselves up to curses by putting aside the covering of god's righteousness and we do that by partaking in things that god has instructed us not to spiritually if we are entertaining bitterness unforgiveness and offense well we don't have the capability and the strength to fight off the enemy. 
if we're too busy fighting each other, we don't have the capability. There's, there's no energy. We don't have the capacity to fight the enemy. Our back is turned when we're fighting each other. It's turned to the enemy and we're vulnerable to attacks from Satan. He can get a foothold and can take us down. We have church. Brothers, sisters, we've made ourselves vulnerable to the enemy as the body of believers because, and, and, and we haven't been able to operate in our full capacity, in our full strength because of this autoimmune disease that we have. We're like, we're attacking our own body and it just breaks my heart. And I know that it breaks. I know that it breaks the father's heart. Dissension really like dissension distracts us from the real enemy. We, we start thinking that um, our brother or sister is the enemy when, and that's exactly what Satan wants us to do. Be so distracted um, that we're not seeing what he's doing. Right. Uh, I recently read this quote from um, the book undistracted by Bob Goff. And he says, remember, the delight of darkness is to amplify distraction. Maybe it's happening in your life this very moment and you don't even realize it. Distraction is very sneaky like that. The fix to all of this is as simple as it is hard. The way to beat distraction is to become captivated by something much bigger, much better, such as purpose and joy. Uh, and I'm going to add love. Love. Love of our church body and community, right? Okay, I want to dig into some scripture real quick. Um, how do we keep our bodies strong and nourished? It says in John 13, 35, um, Jesus states, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And then in his prayer for us, in John 17, 22 and 23, he states, I have given them the glory that you gave me. He's talking to the Father. I have given them, his disciples, the glory that the Father, that you, Father, have given me, that they may become one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Unity. You guys, unity builds up our immunity to Satan, to the world, and to our flesh. I love this. Rick Warren wrote, the purpose of God's presence in your life isn't to make you more opinionated and stubborn. It's to make you more loving. For the sake of unity, he gives his power and presence to anyone who lays aside secondary differences with other believers. And conformity and unity are not the same. The unity Jesus prayed for among his people has a pattern. Even as the Father and the Son are one, yet they're not the same. We do not expect that genuine Christian unity will mean uniformity or unity of structure. It will mean unity of spirit, unity of heart, unity of purpose, and unity of destiny. All right, so let's build up our immunity with unity. 
So I want to touch on three things that we agree on. Okay. First, um, we touched on this last week as well, the supremacy of scripture. And then we also agree about the Trinity and we agree of the love about the love and justice of God, right? Okay. So first the supremacy of scripture. Okay. We base our whole faith, the way that we live around this book. And I just really want to encourage you to be able to explain why you do that. Can you, can you explain why, um, I shared this great clip in the last episode about the proven crazy authenticity of the Bible. So that's one, one aspect of it. But um, author Don Stewart, uh, he describes the main difference between the Catholic church and the Protestant Christian church. And I think that this is kind of um, essential to us to know. Um, so the view the Protestant holds is the Bible alone is final authority. The view of the Roman Catholic um, is the church is the final authority. So the Roman Catholic church believes that ultimate authority does not reside in the Bible, but rather in the church, the Roman Catholic church. It is an intermediary, an intermediary or go between, between God and each individual human being. The Roman Catholic church believes that Jesus gave this infallible authority to one of his disciples, Simon Peter. And Peter's authority has been transferred to a continuous succession of human beings since that time. The person who holds the, this authority is the Bishop of Rome or the Pope. The Pope supposedly has the same authority as Christ. So it is absolutely essential that differences of matters on of final authority be understood by both those from the Protestant and Roman Catholic backgrounds. Otherwise, we will not understand many of the issues that have been historically debated and are still presently being debated. So, you guys, I just thought that that excerpt from Don Stewart could, could give us a little foundation as we define how the Protestant Christian Church views Scripture. So let's reaffirm what we as the body of, of Christian believers agree on about scripture with scripture. Um, Psalm 19, 7 through 11 gives this statement about, about God's word and then uh, an effect of God's word. Also gives some really sweet adjectives. And I, I, I just wanted to grab a hold of, of this chunk. Um, it says the instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The degree, the decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commands of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true. Each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning for your servant, a great reward for those who obey, obey them. Now, um, go with me for a minute here. If we... <laughs> If we imagine the word like a Spotify account, liking and personalizing our playlists. Now, just go with me. This is just an illustration, okay? 
Um, you know, it's great when we figure out our jams in our relationship with God and in the scripture, right? But if we truly believe that the word is perfect, we have to be open to at least hearing the playlist of, that our family members like, right? You know, if, if there's an inappropriate song or lyric that we see in their life that seems to contradict the perfect word of God, then a conversation needs to be had, right? First, we have it with God because we want to make sure that our perceptions are set before him in humility before we have an authentic comfort conversation with our family member. You know, we, we may not prefer the type of music they're into. You know, I, I love me some, some jazzy tunes and country. Well, it's, it's not my favorite. <laughs> is is one style really better than the other? No. No, this is a matter of opinion. Um, God made music. And there's really no right or wrong to the type of music. But it's the heart of the matter that counts. Right? The lyrics matter. What it speaks and how it influences the souls. That's, that's what counts. You know, versions of the translated original documents of God's word all have variation. And it's the heart of the truth, the origins that we really need to make sure that we're holding on to, right? Okay, 2 Peter 3, 16 through 18. It's, it's a letter from Peter, but he references the Apostle Paul here. Um, it says some of his, Apostle Paul's, comments in the previous letters he wrote are hard to understand. And those who are ignorant and unstable have twisted his letter to mean something quite different, just as you do with other parts of scriptures, just as they do with other parts of scriptures. And this will, will result in their destruction. You already know these things, dear friends, so be on guard. Then you will not be carried away by the errors of these wicked people and, and lose your own secure footing. Rather, you must grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And then he also states in verse 4, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. So, we can actually live on guard against false doctrine while living peacefully within our family members. Our family of believers, we can allow our family members to enjoy their favorite types of music or styles of worship while we together are unified under the common truth. It can all come together in a harmony when we realize that we're actually singing the same song. Okay, before I continue with the next two points, I just have to share about train in truth. It's making scripture relevant to body, soul, and spirit. You know, this is where there are a ton of online tools and resources for you. It's a platform supported by gifting alone. There's tons of free resources, and then you can make a monthly gift to get a hold of the immunity resource mini course that I mentioned before. And the Journey Through Advent online devotional offers really meaty content in a short, easy to consume format. I'd really love to have you join in over there at the Train and Truth platform. The link is in the show notes. Okay, the next major thing that we as a body of believers agree on would be the Trinity, the Trinitarian doctrine. Um, this, you know, the, the Trinity is a really complex idea, right? Yet it is 
absolutely essential, essential to our faith. Second uh, Corinthians 13, 14 says the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Um, Felicia Masonheimer states in her book, uh, Every Woman a Theologian, which I highly recommend. She says, it is the doctrine, this, tr tr this Trinity doctrine that sets us apart from Islam, Jehovah's Witnesses, and the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, which is the Mormon church. Each of them affirm God and Jesus in some capacity, but all of them deny the Trinity. She goes on to say, if God is triune, three in one, then everything we know about him and every truth we hold points back to this three in one nature. We can't rightly understand Jesus's life, death, or ministry apart from the Father who sent him or the spirit he left behind. We can't understand Christian life today led by the spirit without Jesus's atoning sacrifice. And we can't understand the point of any of it without the God revealed in the Old Testament books. In a sense, the Trinity traps us into the truth. Without the Trinity, there is no Christianity. And there is no Christianity if God is not triune. <laughs> I love that. Um, the Father, Son, and Spirit, they're all one, right? Yet also distinctly separate. So if you're a Christian, uh, which most of or all of my listeners are, then you kind of understand this concept to a certain extent. I, I mean, I don't know if anyone can fully grasp this mysterious piece of God, yet we have to have like a, a little bit of an understanding on it about it if, if we are to live out a devoted Jesus-following life, right? You know, there have been a lot of analogies to try and describe this aspect of God, like the egg, you know, the egg is, an egg is an egg. Yet it has three distinct parts and equal parts. Uh, there's the shell, there's the yolk, um, and then there's the egg white. Each is an egg, each is egg, yet distinct from the other parts. Now, God is God, yet has three distinct and equal parts. He's Father, the unchanging, mighty creator. He's Jesus, who came as fully God, fully human, the Son. And then there's the Holy Spirit, who comes to live in us. You know, um, as one woman, I can be a daughter, wife, and mom. Yet, <laughs> these illustrations, these all these illustrations that we try to come up with, it's they do fall short. There are things that that don't fully line up. This God of ours is really mysterious. But so good. He's so good. And this is something that, that we as believers, knowing the scripture to be true, we also know that the triune doctrine is true. And while one part of our family may be more, like may put more emphasis on one part of the Trinity than the other, we all recognize the equality, the oneness, and the separate nature of this triune God of ours. Our God, he's a communal God. So obviously, community and unity is essential core to us as Christians. Okay, the last thing I want to cover is the thought that God is both love and justice, right? In 1 John 4, 
It says, God is love. And this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but he has loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of for our sins. Okay, so this verse, it's not just saying that God is love. But this verse shows that the propitiation is necessary. This God of justice must be met with holiness. How in the world, how in the world could a perfect God have an intimate relationship with a being that's blemished like me or you? Um, the Gospel Coalition stated um, to propitiate means to satisfy the wrath of God against sin. To turn away God's wrath or to offer a sacrifice that appeases God. It's God's just judgment and righteous anger against us and our sin. Jesus is what satisfies the justice of God. You guys, there's no other way than Christ, right? His holiness demands justice. Demands that wrongs be paid for. Reverend Charles Seat, I love this. He says, the cross of Christ is also the place where two seemingly irreconcilable things have been brought together. The love of God and the justice of God. The love of God desires the salvation of sinners while the justice of God demands their condemnation. How can these two things be reconciled? How can love and justice meet together? The answer is only at the cross of Christ. Hmm. I just think, you know, there's just, there's no greater illustration of God's justice and love than the cross. Um, in Ephesians 3, it says, uh, it's this prayer that Paul puts together and he's praying that you together with all God's people may have the power to understand how broad and long, how high and deep is Christ's love. Yes, that you may come to know his love, although it can never be fully known and so be filled with the very nature of God. Can you believe that that's even a possibility for us? Because God, our, we have a God that is, is a just God. We can't have love without justice or justice without love. Like, let's think about it. Like, is it to love? Is it love to let child believe it's okay to put a fork in an electrical socket? Is it love to allow someone to murder or steal when the repercussions are so grave? Like trying to wrap the brain around this. I just, I just have to ask, does anything make sense without a right and wrong or a holy, just God who also loves? I don't know. I, I know I gotta, I gotta bring this to a close and I just want to bring, um, this, this quote by Tim Keller. Um, he says, biblical justice is characterized by radical generosity, universal equality, life-changing advocacy, and asymmetrical responsibility. 
And these, you guys, <laughs> these are things that I know that the whole body of Christ, the family, sons and daughters of the Most High God can agree on. Right? Amen? Okay, if you agree on these things, write amen in the comments. If if there's something that I missed, would love to hear your thoughts. I mean, I know that there's a lot within these topics, so much. Um, but tr so trying to just grab a, a hold of just some of those things to bring them together in this episode. Um, I hope that that this was encouraging to you, and I am looking forward to seeing you in the next episode. Thanks so much for being here. God bless and Godspeed. Do you enjoy this show? If so, would you please support Devoted in the Daily by liking, commenting, sharing, and subscribing? It really helps expand the show's reach. It's that easy. And you can find lots more free encouragement and resources at trainintruth.com. I hope to see you over there. Thanks so much for being here. You know, I ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. That's from Colossians 1. Thanks again. Toodles.